Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another bonus episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive all year, every year. That's right, all 365 days per year, or all 366 days per leap year, even throughout all those hot, long summer months. Thanks again for joining us for another Thursday installment of Another Christmas Story. This week's chapter, chapter 20, Silver Bells, will be read to you by Stephen Beach, who you may also know as Disco54, longtime listener and frequent interactor on our Facebook group. He is an integral and beloved part of our Tissa Podcast family. I don't have any housekeeping to go over with you all this week. So I'm just going to kick it over to Steve to read to y'all this week's chapter. Enjoy. Hi, my name's Steve. Long-term listeners know me as Disco54. I don't have a Christmas podcast to plug. However, I do have a podcast. It's called Uplifting House Sessions. If you want to find out what it's about, just search for it on all major podcasting apps. Chapter 20 Silver Bells And that giant star snowflake hybrid hanging above the street just ahead of us, you see, it's made up almost entirely of Baccarat crystal. Back in 2002, it became associated with UNICEF, so people still affectionately call it the UNICEF snowflake most of the time. It's even got a twin hanging in Beverly Hills above Rodeo Drive. Now, normally, all of the wires holding it up are a bit of a distraction during the day but you can barely see them at all through the snow. Actually, right now, it's shining as bright as it normally does at night. As her motorcade barreled down Fifth Avenue towards Central Park, Emily leaned back in her seat with an expression of satisfaction on her face. She had become decidedly more cheerful since being back in her limousine and separated from both the public and the press once again, and she was actually beginning to enjoy playing the role of a tour guide, even though she didn't need to keep up the guys in private. Beside her, Anna was preoccupied with her phone, constantly texting aides back in DC and refreshing her weather app. Nathan and his chief of staff, Michael, meanwhile, were hanging on to every word that came out of the president's mouth, staring in awe out of the windows, and even Miranda's chief of staff, Georgina, was feigning polite interest. The English Prime Minister herself, however, was having none of it. She had wedged herself into a corner of the beast and had folded her arms across her chest, looking both bored and annoyed as her foreign counterparts chattered amicably. What's that crowd of people gathered over there for? Nathan asked, 
craning his neck to peer at the large throng of people that had converged on one side of the street to stare at something occurring on the other side. Oh, the Saks Fifth Avenue Lights Show! Emily exclaimed, leaning forward to stare out of the window. It's faint in the daylight, but look, see the lights being projected onto the building over there? Is that new? Georgina asked, as she watched the lights rearrange themselves into various forms that ranged from falling snow into ice palaces. I spent Christmas in New York years ago, when I was just a little girl and I don't remember that. It's not that new, Emily answered, as she pushed her glasses back up the bridge of her nose. They've been doing it since 2010, I think. As the beast sped quickly past the light show, Michael turned to his boss. Sir, since it looks like we're going to be stuck here overnight anyway, do you think I can drop by again later? You know, after our, uh meeting? He tugged nervously at his collar. I'd love to get a quick video for my girls. Yes, of course. Don't even fret about it. Nathan patted the man reassuringly on the knee. After our video conference with Ivanov, you're free to do whatever you want. Emily nodded her agreement as she turned to face her own chief of staff who was still buried in her phone. Anna, perhaps you could take Michael and Georgina on a walking tour of the city later tonight. Of course, Madam President. That sounds lovely, Anna replied without looking up from the email from Washington that she was typing a reply to. Well, I'm glad that you're all excited about the prospect of being grounded here overnight, thanks to the snow, Miranda snapped, annoyed. As for myself, I... Miranda, Emily cut across the British Prime Minister wearily. I cannot begin to express to you how grateful I am that you flew into New York on Christmas Eve so that our three countries could present a united front against the Russian threat and... I have no qualms about doing it, Miranda interrupted, holding her head high in a dignified fashion as she peered between the President of the United States and the Prime Minister of Canada. But can we at least discuss the matter at hand rather than pretending like it's not going to happen? I mean, playing tourist? She let out a bitter laugh. Nathan and Emily exchanged an exasperated glance before the former said, Miranda, we've discussed the plans ad nauseum before agreeing to arrange this entire day. Our foreign and intelligence secretaries will brief us again before the strikes tonight. Can't you just enjoy the day in the meantime? Bask in the beauty of the city that never sleeps. He waved an arm out of the window at the falling snow through which Christmas lights and the bustling of the city could barely be seen. Miranda raised an eyebrow. Beauty? Just looks like a bunch of concrete to me. And it smells like piss. Nathan threw up his arms in frustration as he glanced at Emily. I tried. Emily laughed as the motorcade proceeded through over the threshold of Central Park. Putting her metaphorical tourist hat back on, she pointed out. Normally, this entrance is closed up to vehicle traffic, but she shrugged and allowed a small smirk to spread across her face. One of the perks of being president. As the motorcade proceeded at a snail's pace down the snowy road, which was devoid of any other motorised vehicles, the three world leaders and their subordinates peered out of the window at their surroundings. The snow made the already picturesque park look even more beautiful, as though they had been transported into a Christmas movie or a holiday card. Children and adults were playing in the fields building snowmen, making snow angels and engaging in snowball fights, while horse-drawn carriages trundled along the icy paths, both up ahead of them and far behind them. To their right, through trees wrapped in clear Christmas lights, Emily could make out the famous 
Wallman Skating Rink, which had been built by one of her predecessors years before they had become president, with the stone gapstone bridge a few hundred feet away in the foreground. It was enough to take her breath away. Even Miranda seemed awed. Madam President, Nathan began hesitantly. I know this is supposed to only be a driving tour of the park, but do you mind if we stop a few moments? I know it would mean a lot to my wife if we could get a picture in front of the fountain from home alone. Emily furrowed her eyebrows together as she pushed her glasses up the bridge of her nose. Bethesda Fountain, you mean? That's the one, Nathan nodded eagerly. Emily hesitantly bit down on her lower lip, but before she could answer, Miranda interjected. Well, if we're allowed request stops, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask to stop at Strawberry Fields to pay tribute to the greatest band that's ever graced this planet. Excellent idea, Madam Prime Minister Georgina noted. It will look good to everyone back home to see you paying your respect to the Beatles. Well, I don't have a problem with stopping anywhere you two want, Emily replied, turning to her Chief of Staff. Does our schedule permit it? Anna glanced down at her phone to check the time. We have tickets for the Christmas Spectacular at 3 o'clock, so as long as we make the stop quick, I don't see why not. Excellent, Nathan exclaimed excitedly. Even Miranda looked thrilled. Emily smiled as she instructed Anna, Do me a favour, call Gary in the press limo and tell him we're stopping off, but we don't have time for the press to get out and photograph us. We'll get photos ourselves to share on our private social media accounts and the news networks can pick them up and share them on the way. Does that work? She turned to the Prime Ministers of Canada and England, both of whom nodded their agreement. They're not going to be happy, Anna pointed out. Emily shrugged. Tell them they can tape us from the limo if they want. They'll get enough footage of us later on. Whatever you say, boss. Anna scrolled through her contacts to find Gary's number as Emily settled back into her seat contentedly. The Chief of Staff dialed the Press Secretary's number before bringing the phone to her ear. Gary, there's been a slight change of plans. Suddenly remembering that she had to inform her driver, Emily leaned between Nathan and Miranda. Excuse me, she said apologetically, as she manually slid open the partition, separating the front of the limousine from the back. Clint, Melissa? Melissa, who was sitting in the front seat and had been mid-rant to her partner, who was driving the vehicle, jumped at the sound of Emily's voice. Is everything okay, Madam President? She turned to face the Commander-in-Chief. Can you call ahead to the cars in front of us, please, and tell them to take us to Bethesda Fountain? We'd like to actually get out of the bees for some pictures, and then do the same thing afterward at Strawberry Fields. Clint and Melissa exchanged a glance before the former nodded. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Emily slid the, slid the partition shut again, and leaned back in her seat just as Anna was hanging up the phone. Any problems? Nope. Anna confirmed. Gary sounded a little wary at having to tell the reporters, you know how they get, but he said he'd do it. Excellent. Emily breathed a sigh of relief, happily that she wouldn't have to deal with the press again for a little while longer yet. Staring across at her British counterpart, she teased, what were you saying earlier about playing tourist, Miranda? The Prime Minister of England rolled her eyes as Nathan let out a bark of laughter. Ten minutes later, the motorcade came to a stop, on the lower level of Bethesda Terrace, just a few feet from the fountain. As Emily climbed out of the beast, she saw the limos full of security both in front and behind them empty out quickly, as Secret Service, Security Intelligence and MI5 agents hastened to f surround the fountain and secure the area. 
In addition, the NYPD officers stuffed into cars that brought up the front and rear of the delegation also hurried out of their vehicles, their hands on their guns, as they scanned the area for potential threats. From where she stood, the President could make out Commissioner Burke and Commanding Officer Pendleton barking orders at their underlings, doing their best to exert their authority amongst the Federal and international agents. The windows of the limousine in which the three news correspondents had been crammed into with their camera crews had been rolled down to allow the photographers and cameramen to stick their equipment through the window and capture the proceedings. Do you know what I miss most about being Senator? Emily asked Nathan and Miranda as they fell into step beside her and they strode towards the base of the fountain. What's that? Nathan asked. Well, maybe I should say what I miss the most about life before public office, since even as a senator I was pretty well known and fairly popular. Emily corrected before continuing. I miss my privacy. I miss being able to walk where I want, when I want, without security details shadowing me, the press hounding me, without the public shouting their adoration or hatred of me, she added, as she watched a few members of the public that had ventured out into the snowstorm to view the famous fountain ushered out of the immediate vicinity by the Secret Service, much to their annoyance. Well, you may as well get used to all of that now, Miranda advised her. You're going to be stuck with it for life now. Emily nodded grimly as their spouses joined them, allowing her to immediately find comfort in Bobby's warm, waiting hand. Everything all right? her husband asked, studying her face carefully. Never better, Emily smiled and pushed her glasses up the bridge of her nose. Then putting on her tourist hat again, she began pointing out the features of the fountain to her foreign guests. This fountain was designed and sculpted by Emma Stebbins, who was the first woman to receive a commission for a major piece of public art in New York City. I expect that's why she made the towering angel above a woman. She motioned upwards at the winged angel that topped the fountain. Notice the four cherubs beneath her? They represent temperance, purity, health and peace. For someone who grew up in the Midwest and went on to become a senator of Massachusetts, you sure know a lot about the history of New York, Nathan pointed out with a smile. Emily laughed. I do my homework. It helps when you're married to an historian. She patted her husband on the back, eliciting a smile from Bobby, who pointed out. Another name for the statue on top is the Angel of the Waters. It refers to a story from the Gospel of John, in which an angel blessed the Pool of Bethesda, giving it powers to heal the paralytic. It's also a fact that the fountain looks much better with water pouring from it in the spring and summer, Emily added jokingly, eliciting laughter from her foreign counterparts with their spouses. As the Canadians began to circle the fountain in one direction and the English walked in the other direction, Emily stayed put where she was with her husband. How's Jasper? she asked in a whisper. Insufferable, Bobby rolled his eyes. How about Miranda? Actually, she's starting to lighten up a bit. Emily admitted with a smile. The magic of New York at Christmas is finally taking hold of her. I think. I mean, how could it not? She gestured around the snowy park. Well, her husband must be immune. Emily laughed as she glanced up at the, t the angel atop the fountain. Her wings spread wide. The bronze sculpture was stunning, both inviting and intimidating. As the president stared up into the stone eyes, which were surprisingly empathetic, she took a deep breath and closed her own very briefly. Please let everything go right later, she prayed silently, for the sake of the entire planet, please let make my instincts be right. Opening her eyes again, Emily took a deep, shuddering breath 
before exhaling, feeling ever so slightly better. Want to get a selfie? she asked her husband. The two moved closer together, and Emily extended her arm to snap a photo of themselves in front of the fountain. As she snapped a second one, Bobby placed his lips on her cheek, causing her to giggle. Watching the president from where she stood with two other chiefs of staff, Anna couldn't help but smile. I'll be right back, she informed the foreigners, before trudging through the high piling snow with difficulty. Madam President, she called out loudly, let me get a, pre a picture for you, that way we can get the entire fountain in the background. Emily smiled greatly before tossing her phone at her employee, who snapped a few pictures dutifully. Thank you, Anna, she said as the pretty young woman joined her and her husband. Hold on to that for a moment, though. We should probably get a picture of all of us together, no? Good idea. Anna nodded her approval. Together, the three Americans waited for the Canadians and the British to finish snapping their own pictures with the help of their aides who had taken Anna's cue and hurried to help their bosses. Watching as Nathan Dubois posed for a photo by himself in which he did the Kevin McAllister screaming pose from Home Alone, Emily couldn't help but laugh. Finally, the three world leaders posed for a picture together before taking one that included all of their spouses. They even got Melissa to snap a picture of the six of them with their chiefs of staff before piling back into their respective limos, which immediately began to creep slowly along in the direction of Strawberry Fields. Unlike their ride to Bethesda Fountain, no one riding in the Beast was staring out of their windows at the park's beauty, but rather all of their noses were buried in their phones as they all chose the best pictures taken to pose to their various social media accounts for the public to see. After agonising over which pictures were best, Emily decided to throw caution to the wind and post them all, believing it would help show Americans that she was human, just like everybody else if there were a few bad pictures online for them to see. Sighing wistfully, she stared up from her phone and gazed out of the windows at the falling snow. Their impromptu detour made her excited for Christmas Day. It had always been her favourite holiday growing up, and it still was. She felt a tinge of sadness, however, that none of them sitting within the limo could be home spending Christmas Eve with their families, and depending on the weather, Miranda and Jasper might not even get home in time for the next day before the holiday ended in England. Maybe God would take pity on them and ease upon the snow later that night so that they could get home in time to see their grandchildren open their gifts from Santa Claus or in the case of Nathan, see his young kids open their gifts. Smiling wryly to herself, she couldn't help but find amusement in how many miracles she was praying for that day. Tis the season, she supposed. When the motorcade crawled to a stop in Strawberry Fields, it took much longer than it had at Bethesda Fountain for the three world leaders to receive the go-ahead to exit the beast. During that time, Miranda reached into her purse and pulled out her bottle of perfume, spraying liberal amounts all over herself yet again as Emily fiddled with her glasses and Nathan tapped his foot impatiently. Right when the president was about to ask her chief of staff what was taking so long, Clint opened the doors of the limo for them. All clear, Madam President. As they climbed out of the beast, it immediately became obvious to Emily why it had taken so long for them to receive the all-clear. Not only had their security detail once again secured and cleared the area, but they had also cleared the snow from the circular mosaic of stone at their feet, which bore the single word imagine. Though Elsa's falling snow would, no doubt, quickly cover it again, it would stay visible long enough to snap a few pictures. 
Ignoring the members of the press who had had their cameras shoved out of the windows of their limousine, Emily, Nathan and Miranda, along with their spouses and chiefs of staff, bowed their heads in a moment of silence for John Lennon, acutely aware of the Dakota apartments, the place where he had been gunned down in cold blood, looming large over them. Just behind the tree line, Emily couldn't imagine how powerful a moment this must be for Miranda and Jasper, the latter of whom seemed to have finally come alive. From the dossier her staff had compiled for her, on the Prime Minister and her husband, she knew that both were enormous Beatles fans. Even if she didn't know that for certain, she would have been able to assume. They were, after all, from England. Of course they loved the Beatles. John Lennon and the rest of the band were icons considered not only national treasures to the United Kingdom, but to the rest of the world as well, and the emotion over all of their faces at this moment reflected that fact. As Emily stared down at the mosaic, quickly becoming covered in snow once again, she took a deep breath as she remembered the words to imagine. Imagine all the people living life in peace. Though Lennon would no doubt disapprove of her plan to strike Russia later that night. After all, he had sung, imagine there's no countries, it isn't hard to do, nothing to kill or die for. Emily was resolute, knowing in her heart of hearts that these preemptive strikes against the Kremlin was the only way to defuse a possible World War III. Madam President, Anna's voice shook Emily from her thoughts. Clearing her throat, the President turned to face her Chief of Staff, removing her glasses which had fogged up considerably from her face as she did so, in order to wipe them clean. Yes, Anna, what is it? It's just we need to get going if we want to make the show on time, you know? She added, give our guests time to admire the theatre beforehand, I mean. Right, of course. Emily placed her glasses back on her face before she, Nathan and Miranda posed for a few pictures with one another, kneeling beside the mosaic solemnly. After a few were snapped, they piled back into their limousines once again and the motorcade began winding its way out of Central Park and back into the snowy, bustling heart of New York City. Thanks, Steve. No joke, you have such a relaxing voice and I could listen to you speak all day. And not only have you met the bar that all of the talented readers who have come before you have set and kept raising, but you yourself have raised it, my friend. We have to get you on the show proper soon and have to do a fireside chat with you on Patreon soon because it is a crime that neither of those things have happened yet. But they will. And in the meantime, 20 chapters in, I am still blown away by the level of talent that people who have agreed to read my little story have shown in their audio recordings. And I am so grateful to each and every one of you, just like I am so grateful to each and every one of you listeners who tune in week in and week out to listen to this little story that sprung from my brain and have become invested in it and its characters. Seriously, your support means more to me than you know, so please keep the feedback coming, and please, if you are enjoying the story, consider sharing it with your family and friends on your social media feeds in order to get it in front of as many ears as possible, or as many eyes, because the text of each chapter you hear is made available on our website each week as well. So if reading is more of your thing or more of their thing, they can read our weekly installments at www.tisapodcast.com.
And if you enjoyed this podcast proper, if you ever want to comment on a movie or television show we discuss, give us feedback on a specific episode, comment on this book, or just interact with us and other listeners of the show in general, check out our social media feeds. All you have to do to get to each one is go to www.tisapodcast.com slash Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, or Facebook group. Our Facebook group in particular is the most active of our social media pages. It's always busy year round and not just with Christmas chatter, although that is obviously our primary focus. There's plenty of talk about pop culture, movies, comic books, TV shows, memes, and other holidays as well, especially those other Burr Month holidays we love, like Halloween and Thanksgiving, which are big milestones that lead up to our favorite holiday, Christmas itself. The group is also sort of a one-stop shop for many of the Christmas podcasts that you know and love on the Christmas Podcast Network. So not only will you find new episodes of Tis a Podcast there and get to interact with Julia, Tom, and myself there, but you'll also find new episodes of Totally Rad Christmas, Christmas Clatter, TGI Podcast, A Cozy Christmas Podcast, Advent Calendar House Podcast, all of your favorites posted there as well. And find all of the hosts of said shows you know and love on the website too. Always willing to interact with anyone and everyone about anything any time of day because our listenership is worldwide. It's truly a mini Christmas family that's formed within that Facebook group, and I say it each and every week, but I'm going to keep saying it because it's a God's honest truth. I know I speak for Tom, Julia, and myself when I say it's the thing we are most proud of that sprung up out of Tis a Podcast. But speaking of the show, if you want more bonus episodes, Christmas cards, enamel pins, ringtones, etc., check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash tisapodcast or www.tisapodcast.com slash patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can get full-length bonus episodes of the show. If you were a patron and dropped off, or if you've never been a patron but have been on the fence about joining... Let me tell you, now's the time to join or rejoin if you fall into that boat, because we have been dropping a bonus Patreon episode weekly, every Wednesday, for the past two months now, with no end in sight. As I'm working from home until September, it is my goal to get as much Patreon content back recorded so we can drop one episode per week throughout the end of the year, or at a bare minimum, one episode every two weeks. We have plenty of content up there. We have plenty of content coming. The Burr months are going to be spectacularly fun when we get all of our bonus Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas episodes up there. At this point, it's almost like a whole second show with a revolving door of guest hosts like Jerry Davila, Todd Killian, Mike Westfall, Tim Babb, April Riley. Kendall Frey, Claude Belanger, Matt Spaulding, Kim Cooper, Becca Ball, Ron Hogan, tons and tons of awesome guest hosts, many of them listeners and other podcast hosts. It's a lot of fun. So if you're not a patron yet, now's the time to join. Not just because of all of these spectacular guest hosts, but also because of the content we discuss, which is not just limited to Christmas. And speaking of Patreon, if you are a patron who has subscribed at the level where you get a free sticker or the free enamel pins, let me know because I know I owe some of you all of that stuff. I want to put them all in the mail this upcoming weekend, so 
if you are due any of those things but haven't received them in the mail yet, send us a message on the Tis Podcast group or Instagram or Twitter or whichever social media page. Take your preference, and I will make sure to get them into the mail for you ASAP. Life has just kind of been pretty busy lately, which is why there's been a delay, but I want to get them out to you as early as this weekend so that you can get them next week. There are also other ways to help the podcast besides subscribing to Patreon and engaging with us on and sharing our social media pages. You can help the show in a free way by leaving us a review on iTunes because every new review helps new listeners to find us and helps us to spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year. Or, like I said earlier, 366 days per leap year. Coming up on the main show this upcoming Monday, June 21st, you'll get to hear the episode we recorded with Todd Killian of Christmas Clatter Podcast about the movie Christmas in Wonderland. And I would like to take this moment to stress that neither Tom, nor Julia, nor myself picked this movie. Todd did. So while we're all on the episode talking about it for an hour and a half with Todd, keep that in mind when you hear about this movie. Don't shoot the people who bring you the episodes every week. Again, Todd Killian of Christmas Clatter Podcast chose this movie. So if you have a problem with it, take it up with him. On Tuesday, June 22nd, meanwhile, Tom, Julia, and myself will be recording our episode on a Smoky Mountain Christmas with guest host April Riley, our resident Dolly Parton expert. That episode will drop in your main feeds on Monday, June 28th. Before that, however, on Thursday, June 24th, The next chapter of another Christmas story will drop in your main feeds. Chapter 21, Sleigh Ride, read by yours truly, moi, the author himself. So I know that will be a letdown for y'all after weeks upon weeks of amazingly talented voice actors and readers, but it should still be fun. Because within that chapter, we switch back to the points of view of Joey and Mary, our two main characters. So as usual, we have lots of fun stuff coming up on the podcast. And per usual, we also have exciting news to leave you with this week. So I'm going to kick it back over to Stephen Beach to reveal that to you. There are 191 days left until Christmas. It is coming sooner than you think. Use them all wisely. Thanks, Stephen. And you know what, y'all? I can't say it any better than that. So I will just say one last time, check out his podcast, Uplifting House Sessions, and you'll hear from myself, Tom, and Julia, along with good friend of the show, Todd Killian of Christmas Clatter Podcast, on Monday, June 21st. Until then, have a great weekend, y'all. Thanks, as always, for your love and support. Bye! Silver Silver bells, it's Christmas time in the city. Ring a ling, hear them ring. Soon it will be Christmas day. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks. Dressed in holiday style In the air there's a feeling 
of Christmas Children laughing, people passing Meeting smile after smile And on every street corner you'll hear Silver bells, silver bells It's Christmas time in the city Even stoplights blink a bright red and green As the shoppers rush home with their treasures Children laughing, people passing Meeting smile after smile And above all this bustle you Silver bells, silver bells It's Christmas time in the city Ring the ling, hear them ring Soon it will be Christmas day